Live from the summit in San Antonio, Texas, the core presents Sales Training Bootcamp with Jeremy Borsier and Mike Bowen. Today's topic, leadership assessment and development. So, I'm a mediocre leader at best, okay? Um, I got lucky that I have this class right now because I'm currently in a wave of pretty okay leadership. Like, oh, I was going to say good, but it's not true. But okay, better than usual right now. With my team, bought in, walked through fire for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it hasn't always been that way. Once upon a time, I had this amazing person named Bia who worked for me for three and a half years. She was one of my first um, full-time LP1 assistants, executive assistants, slash, slash, slash. I kind of had her do everything. Because when I first got into the core, right, I, they told me exactly what to do and what did I do? Yeah, I kind of did the opposite. They're like, specific person, specific job. And I'm like, awesome. You're going to do everything, right? Bad leadership. So for three and a half years, I had Bia and just one other person. And there came a point where my team was growing and growing. And I had, you know, seven, eight people, et cetera. And Bia was becoming a problem, Okay. Why was she becoming a problem? Because I was a terrible leader. Okay? Like, absolutely horrific leader. Because she would always do things that would annoy me and I wouldn't say anything. Because I was scared that she would leave because she checked my voicemails. Like, I couldn't figure out how to have someone else check my voicemails. Right? So I wasn't, I had no leadership skills and I let things go on and on and on and on. And there came a point where you have a volcano experience. Do you guys know what that is? Hello? Okay, thank, well, this is not count, okay? (laughs) So, yes, a volcano experience where you hold everything in, you hold everything, you hold everything in, and then you erupt and you think that they should totally be 100% clear as to why you're mad and why you're in trouble and why we have to fix these things and all they do is sit there and cry? That's a volcano experience, okay? I had one with her, and that was when I realized that I I really needed to work on my leadership management skills. When someone is so unclear as to why you were upset, and it's so clear to you, that is really, really poor leadership, okay? So we're going to go over some things of um, how to avoid that, and how to be engaged, create a great culture, build some great leadership skills, um, and see how that works. And it all starts with us, right? So if you turn to page 210. Hey guys, before we move on, real quick, Jeremy, if I can ask, uh, what, what we call that is passive leadership. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, 100%. Who, who can relate? Who's a passive leader? Show of hands, really high. Passive leaders, right? Let it go, let it go, let it go, in hopes it'll do what? Go, go away, it'll get better. Does it, does it work? Doesn't work great, right? Yep. So. Doesn't, doesn't, it literally is the worst thing you could possibly do. So on page 210, who has seen this form before? Cool. It is called the culture test. So before, right, we can really be good leaders or try to become good leaders and use it in management with our team, we have to know where we stand, okay? And this is something that I do with my team consistently now, all the time, and I have them rate me using this form. Okay, it's very, 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 very simple. Now I'm going to teach you a little trick right now, okay? So... I always have them fill out the form about me, okay? I don't ever tell them that I'm also going to fill out a form about them. You don't say that, and they always forget. It doesn't matter if you do it every six months, okay? So you're going to to do one 
right, for them as well, which you don't tell them. But you want all the feedback, right, unconditionally. Because if you tell someone that you're also going to be doing this to them, what are your scores going to be? They're going to be better than they really are. Right? They're going to be better than they really are. And what we need is really good, honest feedback. So take a look at that for a second. Um, get together, take a minute, and fill it out really quickly as if you're assessing yourself. Because you have to start with where you think you are. Where you think you are. So take a minute. Don't overthink it. You guys really like yourselves. You're like writing paragraphs, writing books about yourself. How awesome. All right, cool. Let's bring it back. So you're always going to have strengths and weaknesses, right? Time, right? But we need, we need to know what those things are so that we know what to do and what not to do, what to work on and what to keep doing right. Because we want to make sure, and Mike's going to tell us about this right now, about our conduct and our character, right, and how they have to work together. So, Mike, give them an, some examples about that. What does that mean, conduct and character? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I think of conduct, what I'm looking at is conduct is the reality of what everybody else has seen. Character is what you think you're putting off. You think that's what's happening, right? Conduct is the actual reality that they are feeling. Even if you're not meaning to put that off, it is what they're actually feeling. I'll tell you a little story. You guys want to hear a little story about failure? Here we go. So... I think uh, five years ago when I started in the Corps, my very first coach was Hunter. Hunter in the room? Hunter's not in the room. So um, I'll tell you, uh, I remember him getting on the, on the line, and we had two other students, obviously, on the call. And he says, um, hey, who thinks they're a good, good leader? Right? Kind of the same question I asked all of you. That was with the time. I quickly put my hands up. I was really proud. I said, yeah. And he said, you think you're a good leader? And I said, I've always, yeah, I've been a pretty good leader. I, just, I don't know, it comes pretty natural to me. I really thought I had it figured out a little bit. My team loves me. He says, really? He says, do you mind if I interview them? And I said, yeah. He actually put it out to the whole call. Who would be willing to have me get on a call with your team and interview them and talk to them about your leadership? Again, uh, me being a D and loving praise and loving uh, words of affirmation, that's my love language. I'm thinking, God, it's a good chance to win my coach over, right? It's going to be great. So I said, yeah, do it for me. So uh, he does it. Fast forward. He meets with my team. He gets off. I'm anxious for the call. And he says, you want feedback? And I said, absolutely. And he says, I wouldn't even call that a team. It is the worst example of a team I've ever seen. You are six months from blowing the whole damn thing up. That's what he told me. And I thought, is this a joke? And he says, no, I, I sent you your assessments. Just what Jeremy's talking about, culture tests. He sends me the culture test. I got fours and fives from people that I would have said are my friends. Right? How did I feel? Heartbroken. I mean, heartbroken. Betrayed. I could not believe they would say that about me. I really couldn't. I just, um, I really thought that they knew I loved them. And how could they not know? I felt it here. They had to have felt it, right? I didn't say it often, but they knew. They just knew, Right? So I read these things. I was so upset. I went home. I'm crushed. I think to myself, unbelievable, these guys would, would betray me like this. So what did I want to do? Oh, oh my gosh, right? I wanted to go in there 
And here's the thing. I could not fight it off completely. I did not go in there just crazy and fire everybody. But I did go in there and the guy that was the worst um, was sitting there and I couldn't even look at him. I was so upset, so betrayed. I looked at him. He goes, what's up? And I'm like, I let him have it. What do you mean, what's up? Started arguing with him. I got on him. We get into a little arguing match, right? He's just like, you know, what do you want? What? Don't ask if you don't want to know. And I'm like, give a right answer. He says that is the right answer, <laughs> right? How could that be the right answer? So I'm down there. It was kind of a big deal. Manager at the time had to come down. He goes, I'm just going to shut the door. Like, he's kind of afraid. He's like walking away. And uh, we have it out a little bit. We get over it. I can tell you... Um, Today, I still have those three people. They're still on my team. They are my leaders. Um, and I think what I didn't want to know, who can relate a little bit? Like, I didn't want to ask the question because I was pretty afraid of the answer. That's the real story, right? Um, so I had never asked those questions. I thought they were lying. I thought they were just being vindictive. They weren't. They were being accurate. They were being real. Here's the deal. Um, I sat through a class yesterday where I think Josh was talking about Level 1, level 10, and level 100 conversations. I had never had more than a level 1 conversation with any one of them. I believe they knew I, I cared about them, but I never really asked the question. I don't know if this speaks to you guys, but I think uh, here's what I would do. I would come in in the morning and I would say, Byron, how was your weekend? Good. Was it pretty good? Good. Sounds good. All right, man. Cool. And I'm digging on my phone. I didn't even hey, wait, wait for the answer. Right, I moved on before I heard the entire answer, but I was doing what I knew I should do as a leader. I asked the question, how was your weekend? It was good, good, I'm really glad. And I was out, I had work to do. It wasn't something that I valued at the time. I was there to work. I didn't see the value in that. So um, in the end, when, when my anger calmed down and I really assessed, it became one of the single biggest lessons of my entire life. So that started my journey to where I'm like, uh, I'm like Jeremy. I'm a mediocre leader, but I was a bad leader at the time. And I'd gone through some hires, and every time, what did they say about the hires? They were the wrong fit, they were the wrong people, they did the wrong job. Really, they had the wrong leader. And I learned that five years ago, and I've spent five years getting a little better every single day. So, that's why I started the class the way I did. I think we gotta be really clear, this is a journey that is not easy to do. So we've got to be real with ourselves and ask the right questions. So what's interesting about Mike bringing that up is that here's Mike's character, because I know him really well. Loving, right? Really cares about people. Really wants people to help people. Wants to be the best. In that situation he shared with you, did his conduct say any of that? What did he say? What word did he use? The B word. I was betrayed. No, dude, you betrayed them. You got it all wrong. Right? We've got to look in the mirror a little bit. So the best thing that we can all do when we do these exercises, you guys, is number one, does it hurt? Of course. Yeah. But number two, the best thing that you can ever do with your team when you do this is say, I'm sorry. Okay? It's the number one thing. And I'm a professional apologizer, just so you guys know. I think I'm known as that in the <laughs> core anyway. But um, I've gotten really good at it, practicing my leadership skills, is I'm sorry. Right? So you want to make sure that how you are is how you behave. That's all conduct and character means. And it has to be as close to in alignment as possible because we're all flawed. But it's got to be as close to in alignment as possible. And you have to talk about that with your team all the time. So when you, when you, when you get these forms filled out from your team, 
what you're going to see are gaps, okay? Gaps that you need to close of where you think you are and where you actually are with them. Okay, that's all you're going to see are gaps. Gaps are awesome. Why? Yeah. It's, it's obvious of what needs to be fixed. It's easy to make a plan around it, right? It's really, really, really simple. So um, I want you guys to get at your tables with your groups, okay, and start with the person with the longest hair. And I want you to share what you think your biggest strength is and what your biggest weakness is as a leader. Yes. Okay, guys, bring it back. Good. Um, I would love just some responses real quick. Todd, I'm going to start with you because you're in the back. Uh, what was your biggest strength? You like how Todd's not here? Did you I know, out? I saw it. I did that on purpose, you guys. I saw him step out. I was calling him out. I never get that opportunity. That was amazing. <laughs> Josh, what's your biggest strength? So he's the eternal optimist, glass way half full, expects people to do great things. Josh, guess what? Awesome. Keep being like that. Cool. What was your, what was your weakness? So Josh said, I'm spread really thin. Okay. This is an easy one to struggle with too, especially when you have a bunch of people. Spread really thin. Don't spend enough quality time with people. Josh. Fix that. You guys, it's that easy. You guys get that? Like, figure out what the strength is. Figure out what the weakness is. Fix that. That's why the feedback is so important from your team. That's why it's so important for your team. They will tell you exactly what you have to do. Okay? It's not betrayal. It's hello. (laughs) That's what it is. It's not betrayal. It's a wake-up call. So let's talk really quick. I mean, how do you fix that? Tactically, how do you fix that? How, cool. What's what's a way you can do that? So um, something that I do, and I'm kind of bouncing forward, but that's okay because that's how I roll anyway. So um, real simple tactic for me is that once I have these filled out, I will meet with each individual in a group or one-on-one. Both. Trick question. Okay? I, I do both. All right? First thing I do is in a group. Feel free to write this down. This is how you're going to execute this, okay? First thing I do is in a group. So what I do is I read them all, and I try to find patterns, okay? I try to find patterns. So if multiple people said the same thing or something that's very similar, that is definitely something I absolutely have to focus on, okay? If someone's crazy and says some weird thing, I still have to fix it, but just with that person. Does that make sense? Okay, because that's how they feel. That's their reality, right? Give you a great example. I had someone write down on one of these, and it gets me like crazy tied up saying it because I love my, I literally love my people. Say that I don't care about their family, and it's fake when I bring it up. And I was like, what? So first there was rage, okay? <laughs> I went through all the props. Anger, disappointment, blame, rage, reality. <laughs> okay, we can talk about it now, all right? I did all of those things in like eight seconds when I read that, right? 
But that, that was that person's reality. That's not something that I would probably bring up in my group team meeting with all 11 people sitting there, right? But you find patterns in stuff that you could be better on, right? Like, hey, we need more direction. I feel unclear sometimes in, like, what your expectations are of me. That, comes, that came up a lot in the past for me, right? So you sit in a group setting, and you go, hey, guys, that was awesome. First of all, you have to say it was awesome even if it was the worst thing you ever read. Hey, that was awesome. I so appreciate you guys being so honest. I so appreciate you guys sharing exactly how you feel because remember, we're a family here and families communicate. Super appreciate you guys sharing all of that. Here are some things that I saw and this is where they all get super uncomfortable, by the way. And it's okay because you have to make them comfortable with talking in group setting and working things out, right? So then I, I basically go over all the stuff they said outside of the one crazy one. Right? Which still is my fault. Um, I go over them. It's real simple. Hey, I saw on here, it looks like I think I'm a great communicator, and you guys all said I suck. Now, none of you said I suck at communicating, but based on what I read, you're unclear. You're unclear on your job. You think that sometimes I say something and do something else. You're like, I, I appreciate that, and I want to say I'm so sorry. That is not my intention. So we're going to fix it. Okay, I'm going to do better at it. I'm going to work on getting a lot more clear. I'm going to work on sitting down with you guys and making sure, okay, this is where you give them homework, by the way. Okay, you give them homework to help you, right? So here's what I'd like to do with you guys, okay? When you're unclear on something, I literally need you to raise your hand. I need you to tell me that you're unclear. Do not be afraid that I think you don't know what to do. I'm an idiot. I need you to tell me. I cannot read your mind. How my brain works is I go, yep, 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 cool. Everyone's good. Awesome. Seems like everything's fine because no one had an objection to anything and no one had a question. But we need to understand that our staff members and our teams, they don't think like that. Okay? For the most part. So we have to train them to understand that it's okay. They think that their job is going to be in what if they don't know what you're talking about? In jeopardy. Okay? So they're, they're way more afraid than we are, or at least they just show it more. We just act confident, right? So that's a tip. Get with your team. Do this. Talk about the stuff that you're going to fix, and then have them help you. You can delegate the help in culture and team and leadership, okay? You can do that. So and just to add something to what Josh said in terms of his weakness, not enough, pe- not enough time for his people. Did I get that right? Not enough time to get around and, and, and spend time. Quick tactic is simply to add it to your calendar. Add it to your calendar once every two weeks, once every month, whatever you think is appropriate or what that person's needing. 30 minutes, it's time, one-on-one, take them to lunch, bring lunch in, bring some sandwiches, and pour into them. Don't just make contact, make a connection. There's a difference, right? So that's a quick tactic just to kind of get on the get, get it on the calendar because that's the way it's going to get done. Is that true? Yep. Right, when it makes it on the calendar. Absolutely. So simply, guys, first part, step one, have everyone do it. Step two, assess yourself so you can see what your gaps are, right? Step three, sit down with them and talk about it in a group setting, okay? Step four, meet with the individuals one-on-one that need some special time about something that's serious, okay, for them personally. You know, when you do the group thing, too, just to add to that, uh, I love the group thing, a a technique to just because it's uncomfortable, honestly, Read everything and then say, guys, what I hear you telling me is that 
I don't always listen to you, or in Jeremy's example, I say one thing and do another. That's what I'm hearing you say on these papers. Am I, am I reading this correctly? That's a way to do it. Restate what you believe you're hearing, and then your team will come back and say, exactly, or no, not really, it's a little bit like this. Then you can react. If you react emotionally to what you think you're reading, and that's not what they meant, I've done that before, it doesn't go so well because you start defending yourself. You want to jump in there and they're like, whoa, 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 that's not what we meant. So make sure that you're getting the correct feedback because sometimes our emotions get to us when somebody's critiquing us. Absolutely. So now we know where we're at, right? We know where we stand. And the reason why I do this multiple times a year is because things change all the time. Okay? They do. Now, I don't have like an exact on the six-month day I'm doing it. I usually, when things I'm seeing, like, oh, you know, if just things feel different, I'll do it again. Sometimes it's three times a year. Sometimes it's two times a year. But use it to your advantage that way. So now that we know what our gaps are, right, we know what our strengths are based on the feedback that we got, and as well as what we think and we've self, self-assessed ourselves, okay, now that we have all that information and we've told everyone, like, hey, I'm going to get better, now it's appropriate to talk about, like, vision, okay, as a leader, Okay, it's okay to talk about it now. So, biggest mistake that I see people make, and when I say people, Jeremy Forcier. Okay, biggest mistake that I made the first, like, four times I tried to do the vision stuff, right, is that I asked everyone what they thought first, right? And I was, it was terrible. Like, I thought the team made the vision. The team made the, I skipped way steps. Like I was Richard Branson or something. Like, everyone can work whenever they want. If you get the work done, it's all good. That's what the team wants. That's not how it works in the core. That's not how it works in your business. Okay? So you don't let the team set the vision. You have to set the vision. Right? You have to set the vision for them. So I remember the first time I did it, it was at my first off-site. Because the first three years when I was in the core, when the, the off-sites get assigned, okay, and do your business planning, I just said that I did it, but I never really did it. So my third year was actually the first time that I actually did it. Right. And so, of course, I'm completely unprepared and I stand up and we go over our goal way. We hit these numbers. Everything looks awesome. All right. This is me doing the vision with them. What do you guys want to do next year? Guess what? And I, by the way, that year I did 276 units. OK, what did they say? What do you think? It was crazy. Way higher. Oh, God, they're out of their mind. They're like, yeah, 500 next year, 500 units. Like someone said 500, someone said 450, and I freaked out. I was like, yeah, do you guys know like how many leads that is? Like, do you guys understand that like I need to hire like two times what, what we have? Do you under, no, of course they don't understand. So I wasted like three hours going through, how do I tell them that there's no way in hell that we are going to do that next year? Right? So we have to help them. I'm, I was stoked they wanted to grow. I was stoked that they believed in me that I could do that, okay, in one year, right, with, like, terrible leadership skills, terrible management skills, okay other skills, but I was just good at selling, right, at the end of the day. I was, I was proud of them that they believed in me in that way, but I did a really poor job, and it was not constructive use of time at all, okay? So, Mike, talk about how you um, do vision, how you, how you start it, how you re-engineer it, and why it's important uh, to set the pace of the vision when you're working with the team. Yeah. You know, first I want to kind of comment uh, about what you said. I think that's a good thing that your team believes in you and wants to go with a big vision. 
Have you had it the other way where you ask them and they kind of shrug their shoulders like they don't care? In the beginning. You had that? I mean, I think, what's the word we, we always say when we say leadership? Leadership equals, what's the word? Influence, right? And I think about how do we, how do we influence them to want to own our dream? That's really what it is, right? We're saying we have income goals, we have unit goals, this is what we want to accomplish. Leadership is how do you get them to follow you when really it's primarily your dream? It's your goal, right? How do you make your goals their goals? So now they want to follow you. So Jeremy's clearly done that because his team wants to go big. They believe in what they're doing, right? So I think that's the really tough part. I think, um, you know, I used to do like... Uh, uh, like a one-year vision because that made sense to me. I'm like, that makes sense to plot out where I'm going to be in one year. Five-year in ten-year was like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Does anybody feel like that? Right? It never made sense to me. I have to say, a mentor of mine who happens to be in the room, Josh Sigmund, explained it in a way. It's bad that you're in this class because I was going to use this and now you're here listening to it. But <laughs> So I think, you know, this is, this is the way it was kind of explained and I think this is a great way to explain it. Um, the movie, Apollo, what was it? Apollo 11? 13? 13. All right. So I just think this is a great way to look at it. When you're looking out that window, right? He was looking at the little portal, right? Do you remember that? Computers went down. They had to shut everything down. And they had to look out the window. And I remember them talking in the movie that when they hit the thrusters, right, they got to look out the window and they were just trying to measure it. And they were like, fractions of an inch right now, right where they sit, will be miles by the time they get to their destination. Does that make sense? That's what a 10-year or 5-year vision is. It is looking way out there. So now what I see so clearly is you have to look way out there, and then you have to bring it in like a funnel to today. If you work on the dreams today and you don't have the right way vision, right? You don't have that in your little portal. You're going to be miles off by the time you get there. And I think that was the best way I've ever heard that explained. So that's now what I do. I actually start with a 10-year, 5-year, 3-year, 1-year. I want to make sure at every level I am still on track to hit my target. Now, 10-year, does it have to be like I will have 6 employees and I will be doing exactly 482 units and exactly? I don't think so. I think it has to be a general direction where here's where I want to be. This is what my team will generally look at. Five-year gets a little more finite, three-year, more finite, one-year extremely detailed about how where you're going to be. But all of that has to be in alignment. So that is the way I start my vision. How do you do it? Basically the same. But So if you look on page uh, 204 in your handouts, this is an example, okay? This is an example of like a 10-year, three-year, one-year type deal. So I'm not going to read this for you guys line by line, but on, in the, you see a 10-year target right there on the left-hand side, right? It says 10-year target. It's in the gray towards the top. Cool. I want to do it. I want to have a $10 billion company, right? And I want to do $100 million personally. So that's that weird shotgun, huge outward bound uh, goal, right? Now, the key to working backwards for me was structure, okay? So this traction organizer really, really, really helped me. Because when I first started doing this, I would say things like, I want to make $5 million and um, I want to you know, just do 20 loans a month and I want to have a gigantic branch 
and then I want to have satellite branches, and I would say all that stuff, and then I would look at what my goals were for the one in three years and be like, I'm going to do 400 units personally. It was the complete opposite of what like I wanted my 10-year, five-year big goal to be. So you have to make sure that they're in alignment and that they're congruent and that they're matching up. So these, this, is, this form is really easy to use because if your metrics and things that you want to focus on aren't in alignment in steps as to what your longer-term goals are, you're confused. Okay? And I'm confused all the time. That's why I use it. Because it keeps me really focused on what do I have to drill down in right now? Right? What are the issues that I have to work with right now to make sure that I can close 240 units? Right? Well, my issues are real simple. It's on here. There's an issue list. I don't get clear to close on the first submission every time. It gets really granular, right? Into the one-year goals of the stuff that I have to work on. Right? Um, The collection of documents before contract. I know that sounds so dumb, but we struggle with it sometimes with a lot of people. So you start big, you work smaller, okay? So that it's easy to digest into a vision. And then this is what I use to kind of talk about with the team when we're doing goal setting, et cetera, with the team. Business planning for the next year because it's a lot more clear. Now, do you think I just stand up there and I just tell them what what it is we're doing? You do? Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I know. You said no. Um, Yeah, no. Right? You don't just stand up there and give a speech on, here's what we're going to do. Here's our goals. What you do is stuff like this. Hey, guys, so... Do you think we should grow next year? Yeah. Everyone says yes. Yeah. Awesome. What do you think a reasonable growth percentage is? They don't think like that. Because remember, if you just say, what do you want to do? They're going to go, 600 units. (laughs) Okay. What do you think a reasonable growth in a percentage is? They say whatever they say. Awesome. I think it would be super cool if we grew like 10 to 20%. What do you guys think? Josh? That's what they say every time. They You let them say whatever they want. And then you say, that's awesome. I think 10 to 20% would be a really good, like, growth expectation. What do you guys think? They all go, yep. Buy-in number one. (laughs) Okay? We're clear that we're going to be working on the same goal, right? And you go through that with every aspect. So then you ask them more questions. Cool. So, Josh, I'm just using you because you're sitting in front of me, right? If you were a team member, hey, what are some issues you think we have going on right now? What, What could we be better at? And I'm doing this on a whiteboard, right? I'm writing them down. So he says, you know, oh, I just think that we could not extend locks. I wish that we closed, you know, loans on time more often, but it's not our fault. Okay, so that sounds like a close on time every time. Communication, it sounds like. That sounds like expectation setting. That You see what I'm doing? I'm tell- And then they all do what? Yep, yep, that's it. It's my list, guys, okay? You're just go- you're going to your list. You lead them down the path. Now, if they do say something that you didn't write down that is serious, yes, you add it. That's what casting vision with the team is to get them bought in. Okay? It's not you just telling them exactly what they're going to do. That's not, that's not what it is at all. You literally just go through the steps. You reverse engineer it. You get their buy-in by letting them participate. Okay? But don't let them write the script. It'll be a horror movie if it was a movie. It'll be terrible. Everyone will end up dying at the end if you let your team just completely create the vision. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree absolutely. I think in uh in the beginning I used to I used to really believe that it was my job to set these goals, right? And tell them what I wanted them to do. Now, I still believe that as the leader it's our job to lead them, 
right? So if I want a 20% goal, I start off by saying, you know, I ran the numbers and I look and I assess the strength of our team. I feel 100% confident we can grow by 20%. I feel really confident about that. How do you guys feel about that? When they say yes, because they often just kind of go, yeah, me too, right? Is that one of those answers? Then the next question is, why? Why do you feel that way? And then we open it up to discussion, and I go around the room, right? Why do you think we can hit 20%? Now they have to think. Now they have to give examples of how we're actually going to achieve that, all right? So you don't want somebody um, on your team um, that is simply involved you want them committed, committed to what we are trying to do here. There is a big difference between the two. So there is a, there's a real skill set to run in one of those meetings and getting really what you want. Because I happen to believe anyway, it's not really their decision in my view. I want their buy-in, but I'm the leader. I want them to do what I want them to do, right? But I want it to be their idea. Does that make sense? So the way you're doing this and the way you're presenting is going to make all the difference. You want to come out there with an agenda of, I want to grow 15%. That's where I want to be. I don't really want them to say, no, I want 20%. That's not really what I'm after. I want 15%. I've run the numbers. I've looked at it more closely. All I want them to do is be on board with me and believe in my vision and believe they can do it. Then we develop a plan on how we're going to do it. So that's a big deal. All right? Excellent job. So, um, that's how you get it all on paper, right? And it looks so easy. looks like, okay, I got to do this. Awesome. I got to do this. Where I always struggled personally with business planning and leading my team in a leadership standpoint is that I, when I just write stuff down like that, you guys, I'm a more emotional person naturally. I didn't feel like really connected to it just by a spreadsheet, basically, of saying what I'm going to do, Right? So the best exercise all time that I've ever done, and if any of you have had me as coaches, I've probably had a bunch of you do it, um, and I don't even remember who gave it to me. I don't remember if it was Josh or Todd, uh, but they had me write, because I was struggling with it, with just looking at the goals and figuring out how to implement. They had me write, okay, a letter to myself five years in advance of a summary of my year. So for example, it would be like 2024, December 31st, 2024, and I'm recapping my year of all the awesome stuff that I accomplished. Okay? You guys, you guys following me here? Some of you look stoned. Are you guys good? I'm following you. Can you say, do you understand what I'm saying? It's five <laughs> years out, okay? And you're writing yourself a letter. I know it sounds weird. Maybe I'm the stoned one. Okay? It's five years out, and you're writing yourself a letter of all the things that you accomplished in that calendar year. Okay? So you're five years older, basically. So it won't say, I will have. It will say, I have. Right. It's a summary. Today I did. I'm going to teach you how to do it correctly. Okay? <laughs> Is everyone in here a level three student? Uh, everyone f- familiar with the Wheel of Life? Do we have any new first-timers in here or anything? Okay, cool. So, I'm re- so really simply, okay? There's a Wheel of Life that's in the book. Okay? It is on page 213. Okay? So, the Wheel of Life is just the different areas. I'm not going to go into ratings or anything like that. It's just the different areas of your life, okay? Whoops. It's made up of all different cool stuff, right? Money, friends, self, work, health, etc., etc., spirituality. 
So all I simply did was I wrote down one paragraph from each spoke. Okay? One paragraph in my summary of each spoke of the things that I accomplished in those areas. So I'm going to read it, read it to you, okay? This is what it sounds like, and I highly recommend that you all do this. This is the only homework assignment I would love you to do out of this, and maybe three other ones too. But this one's really important. This is on page 216, you guys, okay? Cool, so this is the five-year story. I remember when I first read it to Josh, I was crying. He's like, that was so great. I'm not going to do it this time, because I have this, by the way, on my mirror at my house. Okay, So I read it literally all the time. I look at it all the time. I've updated it a couple times since I first did this. Cool, so it's January 1st, 2021. Tells you the last time I wrote it, right? It's January, yeah, 16. January 1st, 2021. We just finished our best year ever. My purpose and driving force in life is to be the most authentic human I can be, leading others to greatness through sharing my pain and life lessons and being an amazing support system and role model for my kids. Okay? My wife and I fall in love over and over again each day. Pause. Love. One. Okay? The spoke. Remember, these are just spokes. Okay? We fall in love over and over again each day. I need to read that a lot, by the way. Um, She is my number one client and partner in life. She's the best mom around and is the glue to our family. Kara is still president of the Birdies for Books Foundation and continues to donate a lot of her time to the library, making sure all kids learn to enjoy reading. She's in incredible shape. Never thought she would be a gym rat. My wife has never, ever worked out, okay, in her entire life. Gym rat. Here's what's crazy, guys. She is, I'm, I'm losing weight now because she is in insane shape. Now, am I, am I taking credit for it? Absolutely not. It's just always kind of weird when you start sharing this stuff with people in your life, your team, your spouse. Dude, she's crazy. Two-a-days, she's in crazy shape. Okay, and I wrote this three years ago. It's weird. She's been working out for three years. Huh, coincidence, right? I am 40 years old this year, and I look forward to 41. I continue to grow and learn more each year, and I am truly blessed and fired up on what life has to offer me moving forward. My son Cody is 20 years old and just finished his second year of college. Can't believe it. Skylar's turning 18 this year and is getting ready to leave for university. She's still playing competitive club soccer at a very high level and aspires to play at Stanford, Oregon, or UC Davis. We're visiting Oregon this summer, guys. Okay? It's just weird to me when I read it. <laughs> Mia's 13, still playing sports better than most boys, with her, and she has incredible emotional intelligence. Mac is four years old. I left this in here because we lost a child at eight months. Okay? But it's a great reminder to remember where you came from. Okay? Just always remember that. Max, four years old. It's been a wild ride to have a baby boy in the house. I love that little miracle and feel so blessed and have the opportunity to give more love and more wisdom to my little man. I went, this is vacation. This is the fun stuff, right? The spokes. I went on three one-week vacations this year, including a trip to Italy for ten days. Did it last year. Mexico for seven days. I've done it like 80 times since I wrote this. And a spring training golf trip to Arizona. Got a book for next year already. It's not 2021 yet. Okay, I'm going to point this out for a reason, okay? Ironically, I'm in the best shape of my life working on it. <laughs> I've lost 25 pounds over the last five years, and I'm running three days a week and lifting weights two times a week. True. I meditate and pray every day asking for forgiveness and strength. I've built my lending team to seven LP2s, three LP1s, three dialers. Those people are gone. And ten team loan officers. Those are all there. I continue to average 20 to 30 closings a month. Interesting. Yes, I do. 
Okay? My LOs average five closings a month. I wish. Totaling an average of 75 closings for $30 million a month. I have successfully recruited over $1.5 billion a year in funding and LOs for the company. I've been a coach at the core for the last four years and love it. Coaching is fulfilling for me, and I love the opportunity to help broken men and women just as I was once broken, still am. Helping them through the challenges they face brings me pure joy. I just passed $4 million in the bank, and I'm officially financially secure. But I have only just scratched the surface. You got, and then I list what I want my income to be. Nice. Okay? So, nice. the point here, guys, is that when you cast out, and then you make an emotional anchor with it, and you read it literally all the time, here's the trippy part. 75% of this is done already. And I still got two years. So what does that mean? I better redo it. Okay? But I'm telling you, it really, really works. Okay? So if you want to anchor in your vision, and you want to get really clear on it, and you want to be a better leader, you want to be fired up on what you're doing every single day, do this. Okay? It will work, I promise you. Okay? So, so we talked about influence, right? What did Jeremy just do to us all? Don't you kind of want to work for Jeremy now? You hear all that? inspires you. It influences you. Take a minute at your tables. Take two or three minutes and talk about ways you will inspire your team to follow you. Okay? Influence them to, to follow you. Ways to do that. About three minutes. Bring it back, awesome. guys. Bring it back in. So listen, what Mike's going to do, we're going to go table by table, and we'd love someone to share something that you're going to do, right, or want to do, and we're going to make a list. That way, I want you guys to pay attention. Write down things that you're like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I could do that. So this is to benefit you of going, creating a master list of stuff that we could do. So go for we it. We got our letter flipper up here. Give us a pose, Vanna. Yes, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Hey, I heard you talking. I'm going to call on you. Aaron, I heard what you were saying. We have a mic, by the way. So, yeah, if you could, that'd be awesome. So I heard one time that if the employees feel like they're just coming to a job, you'll lose them. But if they feel like they're coming to a family, you keep them forever. So just trying to dig into them and trying to make them really feel like we are part of a family because we're, I have a team of eight, so it's kind of a small family. Um, and starting there, because if you don't have that culture, then to do a five-year vision or a ten-year vision or a three-year vision, it's pointless because they don't even care. Yeah. So if you want them to care, you kind of have to have that culture of family. Love what you said. I think that term family is thrown around all the time. Give it one, one more just before. Just how about a tactic? How do you make them feel like a family? What's something you do? So on Tuesday morning, we did a hike all together. And, uh, team they have, hike. They, they, um, they have dogs. I like that. So they like to, uh, one, we have the team dog, and the team dog comes to the office all the time, and then the other guy has a dog. So, um, you know, they like to, to do stuff with their pets, and then we have, uh, so we have a team outing a lot. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Nothing brings a family together like picking up poop in the corner. That's perfect. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to bring everybody together. All I'm right. personally a no animal about? office, but I think it's amazing if you like animals. That's great. <laughs> yes. Ron said here was like actually having them do their five-year plan so we understand Excellent their job. growth plan within you know, our team, because they, someone might love their job. Like I have an LP one that loves and she doesn't want to grow anymore. So I just kind of add a little bit more so she can make more money. But some people do want to grow. And so have knowing ever, that. Have you ever done that? Yes. You've had them do it? Yes. Do they know how to, I find that one they of, don't. One, one, but I need all three of them to do it. Like, okay. Yeah. That's. I find they don't always think that large. 
they don't think that far in the future. Did you yeah. run into that? Yeah. Well, my daughter's my hybrid, so that's why she's done it. But the rest of them need to do it, and they'll all feel connected. Excellent five job. So having, having your team do a five-year personal plan. Love it. Let's go back to the back table here. Who's got something to share how they want to influence their team or how they influence their team? Yeah, I, I think inspiring them is letting them know how much you care about their future and the stability of their future. So um, doing a personal budget with them and, and trying to help make sure that they're stable, they're buying a house, they're saving money, they're having a retirement is a good way to inspire them. Personal do do budget. Personal um, budget, big one. Do you do it? I don't do it. I, I have done it once, like a year and a half ago, but I don't do it. And, uh, you know, I need to do it once a month. Yeah. I don't know if anybody – is anybody doing that? Truly, honestly, personal yeah. budget. Was yep. it uncomfortable in the beginning? Always, right? Very uncomfortable. I think you know the biggest thing is I think you can do it in group sessions. That's what uh, Rick taught me and, and talked to me about when I was very uncomfortable with it. And I think at the end of the day, what I the way I got them to open up is I just told them, man, I get the opportunity to come to these things and I sit with people that do really well in life and have great ideas. Shame on me if I keep that to myself. I don't want to do that anymore. So I would like to try to help you, right? That's how I did it. If you do it another way and you just come at them, hey, I want to work on your budget, I promise they will retract and say, whoa, that, you know, this is private. They are born and, and bred into all of us. Don't share money. Don't talk about these things. We all know that, right? Right? So I think you've got to tell them that you're coming at this at, from a servant heart, trying to help you, trying to share this kind of thing. So awesome. about back Next here? table. Ross's table. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but actually the best thing that I ever did for my team was to send them to team training. Team training. Core team training. Everyone write that. That's a must-do, by the way. Okay? Core I, team I don't training. know why. I'm a slow learner. It took me five years to figure that out. But when, when they came back, they were so fired up. They, they all wrote me notes say, thanking me and just really showing appreciation. Yeah. So, yeah, team training. I, are we all aware that in the beginning our teams think we joined some cult that is called the core? We're aware 100%. of that, right? Like, my team has secretly over the years expressed to me, like, in the beginning, we thought you lost your mind. And I was like, really? Oh, that's good to know. Now, after team training, they're like, oh, I get it, right? Very important, team training. All right, next cool. table. Where are we at? Right here? Yeah. So I'd like to take credit for it, but actually I got it from my coach, Robin. And so every Monday at our team meeting, we go around, and uh, everybody, I have them do two personal goals and one business goal. And we do accountability. If they don't do them for that week, they have to be something tangible, and they have to put $20 in a pot. So it's for the week. A week yeah, it's for the week. week so, yeah, so usually it's like, you know, something health and fitness, then something like personal, like mind, body, whatever, and then there's one work goal. But two personal and one work. Yeah. Good. How about this back table? In November, we do uh, division boards. And every quarter, we look at the numbers. Awesome. So typically what I do, I have them all bring it in, and if they don't meet their metrics, I ask them to pull out, rip out one of the things they put in there. Excellent. So Vision I tell boards. them, you know, yeah, Perfect. So it's a little dramatic, but it works. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Vision board, super important. Just for time, who else thinks, just that maybe we won't get to every table here, who thinks they have one that is really, really good, you're really proud of it, you want to share? Anybody? Yeah. So we, so we do our SWAT meetings twice a year, off-site. And um, after they do their vision, uh, their uh, wheel of life, they write a one-year, what I call A letter, and they, I give them envelopes and they seal it. And the following year, 
we read them as a group, and it becomes a watershed moment because all of a sudden it's a, they get the buy-in emotionally into themselves and each other, then to drive them to do stuff for the team becomes a layup. Love it. Nice. So, so basically, and you guys are clear on that, what Larry just said is the same thing as my five-year that I did for myself, but it's a one-year for his team members, right? It's essentially the same thing. That's incredible. That's a great idea. I mean, I think that would be super impactful for them. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent idea. So now, with teams bought in, we've said we're sorry, that we suck. As leaders, we're going to be better. We're working on it. We're working on vision. We've casted it. We're clear on what we want, both numerically and emotionally. Like, how do we get, like, actually help people? What are some tactics and ways that we go about that? So um, we'll dive into that. Now, this is part three, okay, on how to have the culture and tactics around how to build that culture. So I'll tell you what the biggest mistake is that I've made. Once again, I love sharing mistakes. It's the easiest way for me to learn, and it's the easiest way for me to help you avoid them, okay? We just made this awesome list of stuff, right? You guys all came up with great ideas. We'll probably do a lot of them. That's just the first part, though. That's just the first part, right? Like if you make, um, who, who said, was it Robin, the one-week goal? Was, who shared that? Cool. So one-week goals with the team, right? Here's what I've done in the past a gazillion times. I'll do stuff like that. I'm all fired up. This is great. Let's make a goal for the week. Da, 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 da. We make it on Monday. They make them. Awesome. Four weeks later, I'm like, oh, yeah, didn't we do that goal? Whatever happened with that goal thing, right? It's like, oh, squirrel. Oh, you know, just I do it all the time. Right? So structure is important about it. If you do that, you are completely letting them down. Completely. You got them to do something that's uncomfortable, and you said that, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you accountable to it, okay? We're going to check in on it. We're going to go over it, and I'm here for you. And then it's crickets from me as a leader. Not good. So there's two parts to it, right? There's the theory and the fun part. And then there's the part of like actually going through and being there and being supportive and loving on them. That's the conduct and character we talked about at the beginning, right? I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to help them. I love them. I care about them. I can't leave them in the street to figure it out on their own, right? Got to check in, et cetera. So a few different things. Um, number one is the wheel of life. Since we're all familiar with it now, now you know what it is. Awesome. Like, I go through and do the wheel of life with my team every single year. I've done it for about four or five years probably now, okay? We, we go through, I know I should have been doing it the last seven and a half years, but I've been doing it because I was very uncomfortable with it myself, and I had to get over that, and I had to do it with the team. So we go through the wheel of life um, right at the end of the year, setting next year's goals of where they are at right now. We literally use all the core forms that are in there, okay? Then we go through... Um, where you will be, they circle all the wheels and they rate themselves. Okay, we, I literally walked them through the same exercise that Todd and Rick walk us through in November. Okay, just step by step. It takes a long time, by the way, if you're going to do it right with your team. They don't think like us. We're all seven, six, eight, two, right? Uh, the first time I did it, I was like, God, this is, I booked like 25 minutes for this, you know, and it took an hour and a half. All right, so just know that, number one. If you're going to do it with your team, don't rush it. They don't have exposure to stuff like this like we do all the time. They're not wired to want to know, yep, that's exactly how I feel, that's how I feel, yes, yes, yes. They're not wired that way. Don't rush them when through doing this, okay? 
So it depends on how big your team is. I would say if your team is five or less, okay, five or less, that you guys could all come back and share your stuff together. So it would look like this, right? Um, let's see. This is on page 215, by the way. Okay. It's 213, 14, and 15. Okay. Actually, it's 212, 13, 14, and 15. So the where you are now, right? This is the one that will always bring the most tears, I guarantee you, to your team. 100%. By the way, when I do this with my team, do I make it mandatory that they absolutely fill everything out and they make sure they have two in each one? What do you think? I try. Okay? I noticed that when I was super mandatory about it, even though it took me an hour and a half to do, some people literally couldn't even write on some of them. Okay? Remember, as leaders... Do we meet people where they are at? Okay. You guys need to do jumping jacks, I swear to God. I'm asking a real question. Do we meet people where they're at? Yes. That's what leaders do. Okay? We have to meet them where they're at. So I'm not going to literally take someone's hand and scribble it until it's bleeding because they're holding the pen so tight because they're freaked out about to write something down about their love life because Don hasn't been on a date in three years. Okay? You, you, you can't absolutely force it. You've got to be there and be supportive of it. And you have to encourage them to do it. Okay? So if you have a team of five or less, you guys have, have them fill all this out. Have them rate, you know, where they're at on one to ten using the wheel of life. Right? And then we talk about it as a group. Hey, share one of yours. I don't make them say two. I say, hey, I want you to pick one. Right? Which one is the most important for you to work on and why? Okay? So I don't go through every single box with them. Hey, pick one. Okay, and let's talk about it. And we go through and we talk about it. If you have a team greater than five people, break up into two groups when you do this part. Okay, because I noticed that once it's over five people, conversate, it does, people don't open up as much. They just don't. That's why we have things called do ads and triads where you break up with two people and three people. It's more interaction. You're going to get more out of it and they're going to share more. Okay, so we go through this. Um, we, we get the where you are now, then we go to the where you will be, okay, which like I said is page 214 and 15, and I walk them through making some goals, right, making some goals for them personally and professionally, and then we do the same thing, team of five or less, we all go around, what's the one thing you really want to do, okay, by the way, what do you think I'm doing while all of this is happening? I'm doing the same thing. Well, I've already done mine. Mine's all filled out. But I am. I am. Right. But I already know it. I've already done it. What I'm doing is I'm really paying attention to what's bothering them. And I'm really paying attention to what they want. And that's the only thing I'm going to focus on helping them with. Okay? Really dive in. Don't use it as an exercise to get buy-in. That's not what this is. That's not leadership. That's marketing to your team. We're not talking about marketing to your team. We're talking about actually being there and showing them that you care, okay, and helping them do more. So, Guys, I, I was going to point out something really quick that I heard Jeremy say. I think it's easy when you're going through these forms, especially because it's a little uncomfortable, just to do it as an exercise. But the key phrase I heard out of Jeremy, then we will talk about it. That's the key phrase I heard him say. We don't just go through it and say, cool, it's done. It's an exercise. We stop, we talk, we go through it. That tells them you're listening. That so is I correct. To point that out. Absolutely. So like Ruby, I'll use Ruby as an example. By the way, I, I can tell you all of these goals and what people were bad at. 
because I did what I just said, right? I keep them. I review them every single week, you guys. Every single week I look at them. It makes it really easy to check in with people. Ruby, for example, when we're doing the exercise on the where you will be, do you think that people go broad or really specific when they write down what their goals are going to be? They go so broad, you guys. Once again, we've got to help these people get super specific. Ruby said, I'd like to lose some weight. What did I say? Hey, that is too broad. You're never going to accomplish it. How much do you want to lose? Then what happened? Tear explosion. Oh, I want to lose 35 pounds. I'm so, like, I can't, ever since I moved here, right, she told me everything. Ever since I relocated to this area, I don't really have any friends. I seem to just eat and drink. And she told me everything I could help her with. But you got to make them get specific. The reason why uh, staff members specifically don't get specific is they're not used to feeling that type of pain. Okay? They want to avoid pain at all costs. Okay? Help them feel the pain and be there with them in it. Okay? So get specific when they're doing the goals. So when they finish doing them, I collect them all, right? I make a copy for myself, and I save them in a folder, and I have a task on my calendar to review them every Friday morning. Do I do it every Friday morning? I wish I said yes. I try to. I do it a lot, though. Okay? Maybe three out of four weeks. Okay? But I also, it's a great reference point when you're having one-on-one conversations with people, right? To be able to go, oh, yeah. Let's check in with Dawn. Let's see if she got a date. We set up a Tinder profile and a Match.com for, for Dawn. We helped Dawn do that. She hasn't been on a date in three years. Single mom, super awesome, kids about to go to college, amazing woman, super damaged from her previous marriage relationship, doesn't think she's worth it, <clears throat> right? So we were like, hey, you got to get on Match.com. And, of course, one of my single guys was like, you got to get on Tinder. I was like, don't get on Tinder, Dawn. <laughs> Don, you don't need Tinder. Let's go on Match.com, okay? Or let's go on ChristianMan.com or something. Like, let's not go on Tinder. That's not where, that doesn't need to be your first introduction to online dating. Okay? It's going to be a little much. My point is, you guys get it, right? I know what their, I know what their struggles are. I know what their goals are. I follow up with them all the time. We have something called Food Fridays. Okay? This is another leadership thing that we do. So food Fridays, I used to just bring in food for everyone to eat. When did it start to get really good on my team and they walk through walls and fire for me? I haven't checked my email since Tuesday, by the way. I haven't made one phone call. The only reason I have to check my text messages is just in case my kids or my wife text me. My team is on it. I haven't done anything. Okay? So why, though? Why is that? The team loves me. But they don't love me. They love me because I love them. It's up to us to create that. It's up to us to create that environment, right, to pour into them, right? So Food Fridays, I used to just ship in food. I was never there, ever. The last year, I've been there almost every Friday if I'm not traveling and whatnot. Guess what happens? Magic. So I eat with my whole team every single Friday. It's a simple tactic, you guys, right, to help them talk about stuff. You know what, I'll, I'll add to that in terms of uh, their personal goals, so um, just to add a little bit different twist to that. So we do two personal goals every, every six months. We'll kind of develop two personal goals that they want to work on. We print them, we shrink them down, and we put them on everybody's computer monitor, all right? So what I told them is I want everybody to be super aware of what we're all working on so we can all encourage each other. Who benefits most from that? Me. Do you ever struggle with, if you have... 
10 people in your branch. I have 40 people in my branch. Do you think I can possibly remember what they're all trying to work on all the time? Do you struggle with that? I struggle with that. So when we talk about walking around, and by the way, that's a thing you put on your calendar, walk around time. To walk around, do nothing but ask about their life. It is really helpful to look at the the goals and see that uh, Janet is working on losing 10 pounds and saving 50 bucks a month, right? I didn't remember that. It's on my it's on my monitor. So I walk up to Janet and just off the cuff, like, how you doing with your savings? I know that was a big deal to you. How you doing? Are you on track? Do I look like I care? Right. I do care. I do care. But right. Like I said, we're mediocre leaders and we're working (laughs) on becoming good and great ones, guys. Okay. (laughs) but I I find this very difficult. Does everybody relate to me on that? Am I the only one that this is very difficult? Right. Yeah. We care. We just can't care are about all 40 people at the same time and remember it all. You have to be tactical about that. Put it on your calendar, walk around time, find ways to remind yourself. Um, something else that I will add, on Wednesdays, um, for five years now, every Wednesday I do a one-hour meeting from 9.30 to 10.30. We call it our personal meeting. It was the most uncomfortable meeting I have ever done in my life, easily, because there's no business to be discussed in that meeting. It is literally... Sit down, we go around the room, catch me up. How's your mom? She doing all right? She feeling better? This was developed because I am so poor at this kind of thing. All I think about is bottom line thinking, right? What's the final number? Where are we getting there? Uh, Are we on track to hit our goals? This is what I think about. It's what comes first. Thinking about their mom who's going through cancer, believe me, I care. I love my team. It's just not what comes first to me in the morning, right? I have to get into a meeting and be reminded. So a couple things happen in that. People open up. Tears. They feel connected. They know that I'm listening. Also, do you ever get the water cooler talk where they're telling about all your all their problems everywhere? All over the office, they're talking about their mom, right? We care, but we can't have it all day long talking about somebody's sick, the kid's sick, whatever. This is the outlet every week. Let's get it out and talk about it. And then when I'm when we're done... I really encourage them. Hey, listen, all this stuff is really good. I know we're all going through hard things from here. I want us to focus. Let's get back to our desk. Let's do our jobs. Let's change lives. That's kind of the way I talk about this. We start off with gratitude, share something you're really grateful for. That starts the meeting. Then we share about uh, what we're going through personally. And if nobody's going through hardship, which is a great thing, I say, what are you really excited about? You got a trip planned? That kind of thing. But for no reason no circumstance does business get into that that, that meeting. That's it is solid. all personal. Super solid. So we talked about how to love on people, how to self-assess ourselves, right? Now this is the part that I like the most because once you earn all of that, you can hammer them, okay? Because remember, leadership is high level of accountability. Todd said it, his biggest strength, high level of accountability. High level of accountability, right? So on page uh, 211... There are my six non-negotiables. So everyone that works for me has to sign one of these. I have them in a folder, okay? And this is where you've earned the love, you've earned the respect, the vision's great, bought in. I also give this to people that I interview to work with me, by the way, up front now. That way they're extremely clear as to what they're getting into. Okay, so I created these six non-negotiables because I was such a bad leader that I didn't know how to address that volcano thing I was talking about. Okay, so I created this as my filters to everything. This is how I manage all conflict and all discipline in my office is this dumb form. 
that you see right here. So six non-negotiables, really simple. Um, once again, I set the viz like, what do you guys think is important? I did it with my team. I had already written them. Same thing, right? What do you guys think is important? Oh, I think good community. Yep, I totally agree with that one, right? And I leave off the ones that I don't agree with all the way. And we created this, which I had already created. They all were bought in. That's how you present it to people, okay? You get to where you want to go. So number one is positive attitude. Number two is team player, no office terrorism. Adults only, this is not middle school. Get to that one in a second. It's my favorite one. It's the one that I discipline on the most in the past. It doesn't happen anymore because I got rid of all the terrorists. Okay, number three is detail-oriented. I Notice I wrote down next to that. All that means to me is you are okay following processes. Okay, you are okay following processes. Number four is excellent communicator. We talk here, okay, at this team. Number five is coachable. You have to be open. You got to be wanting to do this stuff. You got to be coachable. Number six is loyal. Looking for someone who's looking for a long-term vision and growth in a family environment. Pause. Family environment. Everyone talks about family all the time. This is what I tell my team. Hey, you know what families do? They fight. They get angry at each other. They have horrible... Con- it's not a family vacation, guys, where you're at an all-inclusive resort. You drop a drink. You go get a new one. No one worries about anything. This is not a family vacation environment. It's a family environment. Okay? So, going back to my initial volcano story in closing for me. I created this because I was having a problem with Bia on my team. Okay? She was the one that worked me for three and a half years, and I was freaked out about how to deal with it, etc. Okay? So I created this. Everyone signed it, except for her. Okay? Everyone signed it, except for her. I let three days go by. I met with her. I said, hey, I want to meet with you. Let's talk about this. Hey, I noticed I haven't got your six non-negotiables yet that we all bought into. I have everyone else's. What's up? I will not sign it. I will. This is how she talks, literally. <laughs> I, I, Jeremy, she's so dramatic. I cannot sign it. I just... I know that the team just signed it because you said, and it's not like she was the terrorist people. Okay? So I said, okay, so you're absolutely not going to sign it. Is there any HR people in here? <laughs> it was fine back then. Um, so I said, so I said, that's a long time ago. So I said, um, you're absolutely not going to sign it. She said, no. And I went, oh, man, I totally get it. She felt like she won. I said, well, just go free to pack up your stuff right now. Today's your last day. Oh, what? I can't, I've never been fired. Oh, I cannot believe. Well, you feel free to resign if you want. <laughs> you don't got to get fired. I mean, it, but, but I told you these are non-negotiables for a reason. That was the first moment where I actually felt like I was doing something almost right. And I will tell you, as painful it was at first to let go of that person who'd been with me for almost four years, everything has been amazing since. And everyone buys into this. I have a problem in the office, someone talking trash about someone else, and I hear about it. It's real simple how we solve it. Bring those two people in, sit them down. Guess what? Their signed copies are on the table. And I go, hey, Melinda, in that team meeting, that was really, really rude. Like what you said to Ruby. I don't know if you caught it. Maybe you didn't realize it. But you were super dismissive, and you kind of just, like, called her out for no reason and kind of called her stupid, basically, without saying that. Like, do you think that that's having a positive attitude, being a team player? Or, I mean, more importantly, that sounds like office terrorism. What do you think? And I make them talk about it. It works 100% of the time, you guys. Okay? So, anyhow, we're tying it all together, right? You, did you guys get value out of this class, by the way? Okay. Guys, Good. we got... We got like two more minutes. I want to read you something right at the end, but maybe we got time for maybe a question or two. Anybody have something that's just boiling? Got to get it out. Any, any questions? Anything? Yes. We got a mic coming. 
On the form, there's no names them sign it. I assumed in the beginning that they're not supposed to put their name on it. On <laughs> so you find on the, uh, on the culture form. No name. But then you do a one-on-one meeting, so... Yeah, well, the culture, that's a, that's a form from the core, and they don't have names. I personally make people write their names on it. Here's how you do it, by the way. Everyone fills it out, and then when they're all done, you say, hey, please make sure you put your name at the top. Okay? <laughs> Perfect. So, so, remember, you don't want to scare them at first. You got to leave the scary part. You got to make it easy, right? You got to make it easy. So that's that's how I would do it. Yes. A uh, couple quick questions. You guys both run awesome branches. When you're doing this, do you also do it with the entire branch or just your personal production team? I do it with all staff support people, including process. You know, yeah, I do it with the whole branch. I do it separately with the LOs, but I do it exactly the same way. But separately. I break up sales and operations. Separate with LOs. And then, Jeremy, with your five-year vision, did you share that with your branch and team also? Yeah. yeah. I did. I took the money off, full disclosure, at the bottom, where it says all this money I wanted to make. I did take that off just because, I don't know, I was insecure. Maybe I'll put it back on. Yeah. But, um, yes, I 100% shared that with my whole team. All right. Guys, we're almost done. I want to read you something really quick. Abraham Lincoln believed in motivating people by leaving his office and spending time among the people, dubbed management by walking around. When a leader does this, the vision is communicated, values are acted upon, the leader is observed, and the people are inspired. Remember that. Thanks for coming, Thanks for everybody. Coming. If you enjoyed this, give us a ten and a half. If you didn't like it, give us a ten, please. You've been listening to the Core's Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.